You found Kit Kat Chit Chat, where I hide from my kids in various parts of my house for 5, 10, 15, sometimes I make it to 20 minutes. Come join me as we talk about life. Today's episode I feel like is going to be a little bit all over the place because there's lots of different topics that I want to talk about underneath this title of Unsheltering the Sheltered. Um, But bear with me because there's a moral to all of this. I think you'll be able to pick up on it pretty quickly once I wrap it up to the end. But these are all topics that I've wanted to kind of discuss, but they didn't have, they could stand alone on their own, but I didn't want to do a 20, 30 minute episode of each of these topics on their own. So I've kind of just bundled it up into unsheltering the sheltered. And this comes from being homeschool family. We have the ability to really shelter our kids. We are dictating what they get to learn, what they get to watch, programs that they're a part of. We can very much shelter our kids. And that can sometimes get a bad rap in society because depending on how you're sheltering your kids, sometimes that can be viewed as a little bit radical. But I think a big majority of us, that's not our main goal and why we're sheltering or, you know, homeschooling our kids. We want to teach them and show them what's going on in the world, but we also want to protect them and shelter them and continue to allow them to be kids. And that's my big thing. I want my kids to be able to have and hold on to their childhood for as long as they can. Um, I was very fortunate that I wasn't put into a ton of really bad situations, but I had to grow up really quickly. My sister and I were lock and key kids. My mom was a single mom. She worked nine to five. We got off the bus, we walked home and no one was home. It was a very independent, you've got to do this, um, a lot of time unsupervised and alone. And that was just the circumstances of how we grew up and the situation. And not always, there's nothing wrong with that either, as long as you know your kiddo is being provided for. And we were, we always had food at home. Uh, We lived in a really safe area, but it also could be kind of scary sometimes. And my sister and I had to grow up faster than other kids that we knew. And so I knew when I had my kiddos that I was probably gonna be labeled one of those parents that really sheltered my kids. And if you are homeschooling and you think, that your kids are not sheltered, you probably need to dig a little bit deeper into that because they 100% are. There are a lot of experiences that our kids do not go through um, that, you know, everyday public school kids do, Um, but there's also experiences that they have on equal sides. An argument that could be made is that, oh, homeschool kids don't have to deal with bullying. Well, that's not always true either. We've had our own battles with different bullying situations. It's just maybe caught earlier and dealt with a little bit differently than it would be in the public school system. But even when my daughter was in pre-K, there was bullying situations. Um, One thing I will say that my kids do not participate in is the lockdown drills. You know, my niece was telling me about how there was a, I can't remember if it was a bomb threat or a gun threat, and they had to go into this whole lockdown procedure. That is a very common thing in their you know, school life. And I think that those are very necessary things because teachers and students need to know what to do in those situations. 
it's just really sad that that's the reality of our life and the current state of our country. But they need to know what to do in those. And those are not things that my kids have had to deal with. They instead have, you know, our... We've talked about gun safety, and they know that if they see a gun that's unsupervised, their little saying that they're supposed to say in their mind is, stop, don't touch, run away, and tell an adult. You know, that is my line there of being able to unshelter them from being completely sheltered from guns. I have a very curious five-year-old who really loves guns and thinks that there's something really cool. And I have to be really careful and mindful about how we present those ideas so that he understands what a gun really is and that it is a tool and not a toy. And I think that a lot of times these are conversations that we tend to have anyways. It's only really when they get a little bit older that we start having to find these more difficult conversations and you know your kids are not they're listening to the news they are hearing you know adults talk about these very high political controversial things and although they may not understand it completely they're grasping little things here and there and that can be really great when you've cultivated an environment where they feel okay with asking questions and you're prepared to explain things to them, but that's not always the case. And sometimes you're just really not prepared. Um, We just recently had a super spontaneous lesson on Abraham Lincoln, which then layered into um, another conversation about the Emancipation Proclamation and really for the first time in my kiddos' lives talking about what slavery was. And it wasn't something that I was super prepared for. The kids were looking at pennies and they asked who this person was on the penny. And so I was talking about how that was Abraham Lincoln and they wanted to know why Abraham Lincoln got to be on the penny. So then we started talking about the Emancipation Proclamation and I did the best that I could on, you know, just here's, we're going to do this, um, explaining slavery and what that meant and that there were people, the way I kind of went about it was that there were people that were major bullies and they would come in and they would take people away from their families and they would make them work for free and then sometimes they would sell them and these horrible things happened to these people, uh, And then, you know, Abraham Lincoln, through policies, was able to pass the Emancipation Proclamation and make that illegal and start turning things around for for people who had been in slavery. And we went a little bit more in depth, but... Um, you know, for a five and seven year old at the drop of a hat, we're going to learn about this because it wasn't an opportunity I wanted to pass up. I didn't want to just say, oh, Abraham Lincoln's on the penny because he was the president. I think it's important information for the kids to know. Um, but I definitely was not prepared for that conversation. I was just like, oh, okay, let's, let's take this opportunity and, talk about this a little bit, especially because next year we are diving into U.S. history and this is going to come up and I don't think it's something that needs to be skipped over. I think this is something that definitely needs to be talked about and we need to learn from 
our own histories and talk about the consequences of how our histories from, you know, uh, hundreds of years ago still can have effects on today and today's society. But it's really hard to like have these conversations because you also like don't want to say something wrong that's going to take these little kids' brains that are like molding and forming and make them think a certain thing. And so that's where it's really challenging for me because I want my kiddos to be raised respectfully and thoughtfully and independent. And I want kids who are critical thinkers and can think on their own and form their own opinions. And I, although I have my own strong views and they will also form their own strong views based on what they've been raised around, I really do want them to have their own independent thinking. And we've we've had this already in um, smaller doses, more specifically around the holidays. We have several friends who do not celebrate or Santa is not part of their Christmas holiday. And so we've had conversations about, you know, that it's okay for some people to believe one thing and for you to believe another thing. And that doesn't mean that either view is necessarily wrong. Um, And we have to respect other people's opinions and beliefs because if we don't and we all just believed the exact same things, that would be a really boring world, right? Now, if there's someone that we vastly disagree with and we don't like what they're saying, we're allowed to remove ourselves from that situation and move on. We don't have to be friends with every single person, but we do need to show kindness. And so this comes up about every Christmas because there are several people in our lives who do not celebrate and and use Santa Claus in their celebrations. And it always becomes a fight, but it's a really great opportunity for me to kind of explain, you know, it's okay for other people to have beliefs and thoughts outside of our own beliefs and thoughts. So it's actually been a really helpful lesson in that um, because that's going to happen. Our kids and even us, I meet people all the time that have vastly different beliefs Um theories that they believe in, different religions, and it's always really wonderful for me to be able to meet these people and learn something and take something away, and that's how I want my kids to be raised. Uh, I want them to believe in different things and question things because I think if we don't ever question anything, then we're kind of just playing follow the leader Um And do we really know if that is the correct way to go about things? So creating an environment where my kids can ask questions about these different big questions and big feelings that come across is really my main goal. Uh, The other thing that we've, you know, started to kind of have to have discussions about is sleepovers. I was a huge sleepover house. My mom always allowed us to have sleepovers. And when I found out that I was having a little girl, I wanted to be that house. I wanted to have sleepovers. I've always wanted my house to be the house. 
But the reality is, is that now I have a little boy and a little girl and there are kids out there that have really wild imaginations. And at our last house, there was a little girl in our community who made up all sorts of stories. And it was the first time that I'd ever met a kid like this who could truly just lie to your face. She would go around and introduce herself as someone else, but not tell you that she was pretending or that she was dressed up as someone else. She had several of us convinced that she was a twin and that when we would talk to her and say her name, she'd go, oh, no, 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 that's my twin. And it was very confusing in the beginning, but definitely caught on. But then it was really scary to watch this child really kind of manipulate other kids and situations and flat out tell her parents and other kids that whatever the situation is, they were lying about. And so it really started to make me question about this whole experience of sleepovers any child that walks into my house is safe. Like I, there, no, like I will never allow something bad it, to happen to a kid. I am so protective over kids. Um, and I think that they should be protected. And if you are not going to protect a child, like my question to you is what's wrong with you? Children are so precious and they deserve to be protected on every level. So I know that my house is a safe house. But that doesn't mean that a child can't come in there and make up a bunch of stories. And not so much now that my kids are so young, but I think about, you know, when my kids get older and have both genders of friends, if we can actually be a sleepover house. Um, Because things happen and kids are curious. And although I would be home all the time, Um, it's just the things that I think about. And these are things that, you know, my kids don't think about. My daughter doesn't really understand why she can't have sleepovers with every kid in her class. And I am not going to sit down right now and explain to her the reasons of why. Um, I think she's a little too young for that. But it's definitely something that eventually I'm going to have to unshelter her from. She's she's going to, we're going to have to have certain conversations about things that can happen at sleepovers and why she's not allowed to go over to certain people's houses and why certain people aren't allowed to come over to our houses. And it's sad. Like it, it hurts my heart to think that way. And I know that some people are like, well, you just have to be trusting. Well, I have read way too many stories, know way too many people that really bad things have happened because of sleepovers. And although it never happened to me and um, it never happened to any of the friends that came over to my house, it's a very real reality and it's something that I will protect my kids from at all costs. Um So it's things like that. You know, my kids are very sheltered from that. They have no idea. They're also a lot younger. Um, But I want, I definitely want to protect their childhoods. Um, And I, I don't want them going around thinking that the world is this horrible place. But I think we all know from watching the news, um, 
it's pretty violent out there. I get a lot of flack from some of my friends because I really monitor the violence in language in shows that we watch. Um, recently just went to go to the new Puss in Boots movie. We went to the theater and I was really close to, I was contemplating on walking out. There was a lot of sour language in there. The characters were not really nice to each other. There were multiple scenes where they like bleeped out, you know, words. And I know that that's supposed to provide like a comedic relief in there. And a lot of that like adult content goes over the kids' heads. But I just really like didn't appreciate it. And there's a lot of movies that my son would be interested in, but we don't watch them because they're rated PG-13. And there are a couple movies that we've allowed our kiddos to watch and just fast forwarded through a couple scenes. But I have a lot of friends who are like, oh, just let them watch it. Like it's not a big deal. They know it's a movie. They know it's not real. Well, I can tell you for a fact that my son does not realize that there's a division there. You know, we're moving to upstate New York, and he truly thinks that when we drive into New York City that he is going to see Spider-Man slinging from buildings. And it really doesn't matter if I tell him, you know, oh, you know, that's not the reality of the situation. That's what he believes. And he, you know, yeah, he's he is believes that through and through. Uh, he also just recently got all of his like weapons, like his play toy weapons taken away because he wasn't using them in what we have taught as a responsible way. And I understand that they're just toys, but especially in our society with, and I love video games, so don't take this the wrong way, but my kids, when they have tablet time or they're seeing these cartoons, it's a lot of like, they die and come back, they die and come back. So in that mentality, unless you're really sat down and talked to about, but that's not the reality, they don't really know. And we just had an incident at home. Um, my daughter's friend was leaving our house and my son didn't want her to leave. And so he took his hands and made a handgun and said, oh, well, I'm just going to boom and pointed it at his head. And... I told him to go sit on the couch and he knew exactly right away that he had done something because we talk all the time about not pointing our guns and knives at other people, um, not using them to like kill is essentially like our rule. You know, if you're having a sword fight with someone and they're playing with you, but he ended up getting them done. And I had a very real conversation with my five-year-old, um, I think, too, being a military family, if you've looked at the statistics of suicide and different things like that, um, it's a little bit more heightened for us. I don't know very many military members who don't know someone who has committed suicide. I've been to way too many funerals or know way too many people who have taken their lives, and it's been very unfortunate. Um, he's five, and he's not realizing that those hand motions and the toys that he's getting taken away for shooting at people and telling them, you know, they're dead. He doesn't understand the ramifications of that. But if you choose to not have these conversations, and I'm not going to lie, it was probably a little intense. I told him that if he would have done that with a real gun in real life, he would not be coming back. And I don't want that to happen to him. And it probably was a little bit extreme but he grasped it and as sad as it is to have these conversations, 
if we're not having these conversations and we're not making sure that our kids realize that in the video game when they die and they come back is not what really happens in real life, how are they supposed to know? We cannot just assume that our kids know all of these things. These are, this is what I'm talking about with unsheltering the shelter. We have to have these conversations with our kids and we have to find that line of how far we want to go in unsheltering them and how much we want to keep them sheltered. And it's not fun. It's not fun conversations, but it's things that we really, especially as homeschool families, have to weigh out because a lot of these things that we get to protect our kids from are not things that everyday kids are necessarily protected from. And so we have to find that balance. So I probably went a little over the top, but I'll tell you what, he's not going to do that again. And it was not a fun conversation. And we had a very, it was a very gentle, very calm conversation. But it's the reality of what happens when you do that. And it's not funny. It's not a funny situation to be playing around. And so that's another reason partially why I'm really kind of like a stickler on monitoring the violence and language that my kids are exposed to. Because if you're constantly, my friend knows a little girl who they don't regulate what she watches. They watch all of their adult shows while she's present. Um, She gets to watch whatever movie she wants. And that plays into their everyday play. She told me that this little girl came over to her house and she wanted to play family. And the scenario was they were the only ones left and all of the siblings died. And then she another time was playing with a baby doll and was like smashing it up against the table saying, I'm going to kill your baby doll. You're, I'm going to kill your baby. Um... Maybe it's not from her watching all of these very adult shows and that being monitored. Maybe she's learning that through some other avenue. But if you are exposing your child to inappropriate language constantly, and my kids know cuss words, my son will sit in the living room and ask you what the F word means because we had a conversation with them telling them that if a song says a word that you know you're not supposed to say, just don't repeat the word and all of that, right? So he has taken that and has decided that he's going to ask anyone who listens what these different cuss words mean. And it has been really um, (laughs) entertaining, but also really embarrassing when he chooses to ask certain individuals what these cuss words mean. But it's good progress in him truly understanding what these words mean and why it's inappropriate for him to use them at the age of five. Uh, But you cannot tell me that if we are constantly allowing our kids to listen or watch violence or bad language, that that's not going to translate into their everyday play. There's a new show. I think it's on Netflix. It's a 
these um, older gentlemen are making different toys and they're taking video requests from kids who have these crazy like imaginations of these different toys. One was like these girls wanted them to make a soccer shoe that was big enough that they could sit in and drive like just really outlandish things but it's a really cool building show and but the language like this this gentleman who's like hosting the show he's calling these kids stupid he's telling them to shut up and they're talking back to him in that way. So we've watched a couple episodes and I think we've just decided that it's not the show that we want to watch as a family, but I've taken the time to be like, wow, that's not really nice language. That's not really how we talk to each other because that's how, if they're watching that every day, that's how they're going to talk to other people. It doesn't matter if you at home are only talking a certain way. If they see those things and they're seeing that it's an acceptable way to talk to somebody else, their manners are going to go right out the window and they're going to start talking that way. And that's not how I want to be talked to. And that's not how I want my kids talking to other people. I don't want my kids walking around saying, oh, you're stupid, you're this or that. And I'll tell you what, my son tries to get away with it all the time. And sometimes I just kind of let it slide in terms of he's really frustrated with a toy. He'll be like, oh, this toy is so stupid. Like, I'm not perfect. I cuss all the time. My kids know that I cuss. But the moral that I want to teach them is that we don't talk to other people that way. Like, it's not... We don't need to be calling people names and we don't need to be calling them stupid and being demeaning in that way. Um, And so those are things that like I just don't want them to learn. And unfortunately, that's a huge accepted thing and it makes it really hard to show like what what my kids can just watch because it's very accepted all of this name calling and harsh language and I just don't want my kids to think that that's okay and that is a right that I have in being able to kind of shelter them from that um another really interesting thing that I'm seeing is that the sheltering aspect is now going more into public schools. There is really a lot of states right now that are trying to pass Senate bills to ban books. Um, Arizona is currently in the media right now for Senate Bill 1700, which is a book ban from public schools. And a teacher just got done talking out about it. And she said, I have a master's degree. We all have advanced degrees. What have parents got? Are we vetting the backgrounds of parents? Um, I find this a very ironic bill being passed because one, although I do want to shelter my kids from different things, I also think that as they get older, they need to have the choice to be exposed to different things. And I don't want to tell them that they can or cannot read certain books or do certain things. But I also, as their parent, want to protect them. So I see the stance on this book ban with wanting to prevent certain topics being taught or available in schools. I can see that side of it. But also completely restricting it where kids are not allowed to educate themselves or learn different perspectives can be very harmful. And that's where that balance again, like you've got to find that line. I want my kids to learn about Anne Frank. Um, I want them to learn about different perspectives. I read a book, I think it was a, a girl called it, it was a a story, um, or maybe it was anonymous. There, there were these books that 
back in my day were allowed. And it was this girl's memoir of how she got into drugs and how it really like ruined her life. And I remember reading this book at a really young age. I was probably in fifth or sixth grade and I read this book and I was like, I am never, ever, ever doing drugs. Like it really altered my brain chemistry. I was like, this is not what I want. Um, and there were other, you know, I read Anne Frank and that was another life-changing book. It was just like, wow, you know, these are experiences that people have gone through and I want to learn from these. And I have always been a nonfiction reader. Um, I read all of the little memoir books about different people through history one that stands out to me that I read was about a little Japanese boy who was in America and he had gotten put into concentration camps. And I had no idea that that existed. It wasn't something that we were taught in school. And I remember asking my teacher about it and she kind of just brushed it off like, oh, um, uh, and I never really got my answer. And I just read this book and learned this, but no one ever really like validated like this actually did happen and this was a part of our history and then that book was gone it was gone out of our library I never knew like what happened because I remember talking about that book to other friends I'm pretty sure I was in like fifth or sixth grade and telling them like these things that I was learning and then they could never find the book again Um, and I think that that's really unfortunate But I also find it really ironic because this is the same argument, you know, that this woman said, what have parents got? Are we vetting the backgrounds of parents? This is the same argument that is used against parents who are homeschooling because people think that you need to have all of these fancy qualifications and that you need to know exactly what you're doing. Well, I can tell you from experience that that's not the case. Do I have my degree? Yes. But the amount of classes that I had to take in college that had nothing to do with my degree completely outnumber the classes that I did have to take that dealt with my degree. And although I loved my classes that I took that were specific to my degree, I do not credit them for the reason why I love teaching and why I've chosen to be a homeschool family. That piece of paper that I have to send in saying, oh yeah, I have these qualifications, really is not the drive of why I'm good at teaching. I'm good at teaching because I've been teaching for however many years and been in an environment with kids and I love, I just, I thrive off of that passion of learning and, you know, seeing that light in their eyes when they learn something new and really bringing the magic of education and learning to light. That's what makes me a good teacher. My qualifications and my vetting of my background has nothing to do with what I can bring to the table to homeschool my kiddos. And so I find it really ironic that we're going through this whole process of multiple states banning all of these books because they're, you know, trying to really say, oh, well, this is what we want you to teach in school. But that's obviously not going to correspond to every student's parents, right? So my solution is like, okay, well, if parents really don't want their kids reading these books, then they need to be involved and they need to take the time to maybe create a program where parents can log in 
and check off different books that they don't want their kids reading. So then when they go to the library and they bring Anne Frank forward to check out and the librarian goes to scan it, it flags it as, oh, your parents don't want you reading this. Because there's going to be parents that do want their kids reading that. I want my kids to read Anne Frank. I want my kids to be exposed to these things. Books and stories of people's lives is one of the things that I lean on to help unshelter my sheltered kids. And so I find it really ironic that this is the argument for saying, oh no, we need to keep all books in the schools versus banning them. But then no one's willing to do the involved work of, you know, monitoring your own kid. And that goes back to the podcast that I just recently did of being an involved parent. So maybe they don't come up with a system like that that flags that you don't want your kid checking out that book. Then go to the school or log in somehow and figure out what books your kids are checking out. Have, you know, cultivate that environment to have these different discussions because Otherwise, you're just creating extremely narrow-minded kids. And I know for some people, that's exactly their reasoning for wanting to homeschool. They want their kids to only believe the things that they believe. And there's that's their, that's their choice. And that's one of the freedoms that we have. That's not something that I want for my kids. I want my kids to read things and question things and question me and us dive down and figure out these different things. I want them to be well-rounded. I want them to question the world. And like I said, I want them to be critical thinkers because if we're all sitting here thinking the exact same things, the exact same theories, the exact same religion, Well, one, that is extremely boring. And two, you're really not making any progress in the world. We are continuously growing, adapting, educating, and changing. And so putting these regulations and banning and keeping your kids so sheltered that they can't even breathe is not helping us progress in the world. Um, Now, some might argue and say, well, we've we've been way too open-minded and we are so far away from the foundations of insert religion, insert theory, whatever you believe here. So then why not teach your kids about those foundations and then teach them about the world and everything else that's going on, good or bad, and help them create the skills to bring those foundations that you so cherish to other aspects of the world. It doesn't mean that just because you want to teach your kids one thing and one thing only that they can't bring those things to other people, right? Isn't that the whole message of like spreading the word and spreading the goodness of God? And I go directly there because that's really I don't know a lot about a bunch of other different religions and other theories and things, but if that is your goal is spreading the wonderfulness and the goodness, that's an amazing goal and you should do that, but you should also learn from other books and other people and just try and spread the goodness and not harbor everything to keep it so sheltered and not expose anything to the rest of the world because then other people aren't learning from you and you're not learning from other people. 
So in this long-winded semi-rant, my goal is to just kind of, you know, make you think about what you want to shelter your kids from, but also realize that it does lay on our shoulders to have these hard conversations and teach them about what's going on in the world, um, even sometimes at a very young age. I know a lot of schools are frustrated by what's being taught um, in terms of sex ed and what kids are being exposed to there. And although I can see some arguments of, well, we want the kids to have the vocabulary if anything happens here, I personally think they're starting this at a very young age. But it's something that as parents, like we need to think about and start having some of these conversations at home and not just relying on, you know, the public education system to teach our kids all of these lessons and also to not shelter our kids that we homeschool at home from every single good or bad thing or different view or belief because we want to raise those respectful, thoughtful, independent kids that are critical thinkers and can help, you know, push and make progress in our world um, and make it for the better. That's all for today, guys. I better go find my kids. Have a great one and make sure to subscribe so you can keep up to date with Kit Kat Chit Chat.